everybody to this brand new podcast, It's a Crazy Life. My name's Sarah and I'm just a crazy lady on a mission to motivate, educate and inspire you on your very own journey to become the best version of yourself. Welcome back everybody to season two of the It's a Crazy Life podcast and this month is all about anxiety. With this podcast, I really wanted to drive home that it is predominantly about my story and journey through mental health. It is not gospel. This is just from my point of view and my experience with mental health. As I said in the beginning, I'm an expert on nothing but myself. I wanted to start the podcast by introducing myself to you and what I went through and then move through each element as the podcast evolves. Last season was an introduction to me. And this new cluster of seasons will be all about the mental health uh, ailments that I endured, which are anxiety, depression, stress, psychosis and CPTSD. Following that, we will dive into what I did to get myself out of the black hole, as I like to call it. (laughs) All throughout the podcast, I will be interviewing survivors about their mental health in the hope that we will cover most mental health issues, ones in which I have no experience. I wanted this podcast to be authentic, that is why I won't talk about things I have no experience of. Hence I am on the lookout for lovely people just like you who may want to come and share your stories with us. If you feel like you want to do that, then please do drop me a message. The email is crazylife8820 at gmail.com. We're going to be starting off this season with my story and how anxiety affected me and what I did to get myself out of that situation and I still do to this very day. So anxiety, what is anxiety? I suppose anxiety is different for everybody but for me anxiety is the following. Avoidance. I avoid people, places, shops, phone, I won't answer the phone sometimes or read messages or even look on social media. Fear, fear of judgment from others, fear of upsetting people, fear of being a burden, the fear of not being liked, fear of failure, the fear of success and even the fear of my thoughts. My inner critic running wild, those ruminating thoughts or trail of thought that just keep popping back into your mind. I can't do this, I'm worried of that, I'm scared of this over and over again. Worry. Worry about family, friends, finances, basically everything and everyone. Guilt. For the things that happened in the past, thinking I've upset people or I will upset people. Mistakes that I have made, letting others down and letting myself down. Shame. Ashamed of myself for the life that I have led. Ashamed of the mental unwellness. Shame for the running away from my problems. And shame for not being strong enough to deal with the unease. And finally, the pain. Pain in my chest, shoulders, neck, heart palpitations, panic attacks, not to mention the emotional pain that it brings. To be really honest with you, I didn't even know what anxiety was until I was 31. All throughout my life and suffering with mental and wellness, each time I visited the doctor, I was labelled as depressed, given a prescription and sent on my way. It wasn't until I had the final breakdown in 2006 that a doctor even mentioned the word anxiety. At this time, I was in a highly pressured job. I was actually a manager. 
um, and my manager was very overbearing. Um, and at the time, I was enduring workplace bullying. I was having my name tarnished with lies. I would have things stolen. I'd be made to feel inadequate in meetings. And most of all, even after reporting the incidents to my line manager, I was told I was strong enough to cope and to just get on with it. <laughs> this actually made me feel like a failure for not being able to rise above what was going on. I couldn't do anything about the bullying. Even though I had all the evidence to prove I was telling the truth, I was made out to be a liar. Told I was taking drugs, which was actually making me paranoid. But let me tell you, hand on heart, at this very time, I was not taking any drugs. My job mattered to me too much. This was the first time I'd ever worked towards something and seen it through. I was not about to ruin it for anyone, as this was my dream job. I would admit, though, after a few months of this continuous battle, I did end up taking cocaine and smoking weed again. My head was shot and this had always been my crutch. Anyhow, with everything that was going on, I'd be in work from the moment my venue opened to the moment it closed. I was scared of taking a day off, scared to go on holiday. I'd be making plans to secure everything so it couldn't get stolen. I couldn't trust most of my team as I didn't know who was in on it and who had my back. I literally went into overdrive and became a detective, if you like. This, on top of an overbearing manager who didn't believe what I had said and told me to get on with it, just made my head go pop, is the best way to explain it. I had to admit defeat and go to the doctors to get something to help me sleep and to cope. I was given antidepressants, citalopram, which I'd taken lots of times before. But this time, when I first took the tablet, it was like I was coming up off an ecstasy pill. <laughs> no joke. Um, so I, I honestly don't know what caused that reaction, but that's how it felt. And I knew I couldn't work like that. So I, I booked another doctor's appointment and asked for a change of prescription, metazepam, which is what I am still taking now. <laughs> when I first took the metazepam, it knocked me out and I knew I couldn't allow myself to sleep for 12 hours as I worked from eight o'clock in the morning to one o'clock the next day um, sometimes. So this was not an option. I decided to leave the pills alone. After all, I'm Sarah Merritt and I can handle anything, lol. <laughs> I went on for another few months and then one day when walking into my manager's office, I tripped the fuck out. I actually saw my dad sitting at a desk. <laughs> I don't, I can't explain why, but it was, it was at this point that, that sheer panic set in. I honestly thought that I'd lost my mind. I had a holiday booked. It was my best friend's wedding out in Cyprus and I was due to fly from Manchester Airport on my own and meet everybody out there. Um, I'd flew before on my own, so it wasn't an issue. That didn't scare me. But the day came, um, I packed all my suitcase. And the only way I can explain it is I, I went to leave my place and the fear and impending doom just took over me. I couldn't, I couldn't leave the front door. There was no way I'd make it through an airport and on a flight all on my own, not how bad the panic was at that time anyway. I decided I would take the week off. I shut all my curtains and uh, I tried to level my head. But in this week, I had a phone call from the doctors. I'd had a smear not too long before and the results had come back that had irregular cells. Cervical cancer has always been a worry to me as my mom had it when she was younger. So I am always on top of my smears. Um, all I can say is this phone call was the final straw. I felt like everything was against me and... This, you know, I was going to get cancer and it was the worst thing. I was catastrophizing, if you like. Um, I panicked so much that I brought on a panic attack and this was not the news that I needed right now. Um, so that week passed and the day came where I had to go back into work. I had an important meeting and I was petrified of going in there, you know, 
being the way that I was. So anyway, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't leave the house. Um, staff came knocking at my door, which made it even worse. And I was I was frightened, really frightened. And the last person I wanted to see was my overbearing manager, who I now believe was my dad. <laughs> so because I wouldn't answer the door, my manager decided to call the mental health crisis team. I don't know if she did this because she thought I was lying or if she actually cared. I believe the former, as that manager, had no empathy for anybody. Um, the crisis team came and also the doctor that I'd been seeing at my doctor's surgery. And luckily, because I'd already been to see the doctor and told her what was going on, she was able to explain to the crisis team what had been happening. I sat with the crisis team in sheer panic, expecting to be taken off to hospital. But luckily, that didn't happen. <laughs> I was told right there that they thought I had anxiety, stress and depression and my thoughts were out of control. Well, yeah, you could say that. Uh, this job meant so much to me. I'd worked so hard to become promoted and continue with my chosen career. I mean... I put my career before everything. I never, you know, look for a, a relationship to get married. Not that I could have had one, but, you know, or, or even had kids because I wanted to be a success and financially stable before having a family. And this was everything to me. And I'd lost it all due to my mental unwellness. I am not in any way blaming all of the breakdown on this one incident in my life, as I believe that it was a collective of incidents all built up. And this was the catalyst that caused me to break. I think, really, it was my body's way of telling me enough is enough. You see, when you've been strong all your life and just continued on trauma after trauma, you think you can handle it all, but then eventually something has to give. I think the breakdown was brought on by always having lived in a stressful environment as a child and growing up. There was always drama, drama that I created and just actually what happened at various points. I always loved working at busy places I believe that my body just lived off the adrenaline. I was addicted to it, if you like. I think after 31 years of stress and worry, my body just shut down. This anxiety has been a major factor in my life ever since. It literally paralyzes me into doing absolutely nothing. I can't look at my phones for days sometimes. I won't go out. I won't make eye contact with people. I can't go. I just can't go into a shop. And I knew that this lonely existence couldn't go on. Um, you know, I had to sort this out. I wasn't prepared to live my life afraid of everything all the bloody time. By this time, I had moved to Wales, um, my usual trick of running away. I was in the process of seeing the psychiatrist, as I told you before, and I had started on my self-help journey. I managed to find a charity called Mind, which held free workshops. The only downside to this was it was group therapy. Now, I don't know about you, but the thought of being in a group and sharing my darkest demons scares the shit out of me. And I really didn't think I would make it there. But the determination to get better and stick my fingers up to the world got me through the door. It was a self-esteem workshop that I did. It lasted six weeks and was for two hours a session. When I got there and saw the people there just like me, some even more scared than I was, it filled, it filled me up. It might sound weird to you, but I sat there and I thought, these poor people, you can actually see their fear and their pain. I actually thought that I didn't deserve to be there as my issues are not as bad as them. But what do we really know about another person just by looking at them? You should never judge. I also knew that this was just my brain's way of trying to get me not to go anymore. Let's face it, it, it takes courage to take part in group therapy and my brain wanted to keep me safe. Problem was, I didn't feel safe at home anymore, so I needed to break free of the shit. This was the start of my motivation to want to help others. 
I knew how long the waiting lists were to get on these courses. I couldn't actually believe how many people were in this turmoil. I think with mental health, sometimes you feel like you're the only person who's going through um, your suffering. So you believe that nobody will understand. But unfortunately, this, this just isn't the case. So many of us are enduring the same thing. And I think that's what opened my eyes um, by going to group therapy was that I'm not alone. I'm not going crazy. The workshop was awesome. I finally managed to go and be with other civilians, as I called them at this time. People were civilians and they were all to be scared of. <laughs> but I managed to look people in the eye. And with this workshop, I also managed to go and meet some friends in a pub. That was massive to me. I don't think I've been in a pub for wow, a good year. So the biggest thing that helped me on that workshop was the CBT work that we did. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's cognitive behavioural therapy. And it basically causes you to question every negative thought you think and reframe it. It's very powerful. And we will talk about this in depth as we move through the podcast. Um, it did work, um, but it wasn't the end of the anxiety. Not on your Nelly. Um, the work continues day after day. I mean, I still have days now where I'm paralysed from the worry I can't look at my phone. The only difference is I have coping mechanisms now and a good support network to help me. What I haven't told you is the amount of time I spent on my own, isolated, due to the anxiety. In the time between the breakdown and actually getting some help was just over a year. In this year, I couldn't leave the house. I was crippled with fear of almost everything. But this we will dig into in psychosis season. So what do I do when I notice now that I am slipping into an anxiety attack? Well, first and foremost, I get up and go and do something to distract myself, whether that's work out, walk the dog, cook some food, anything to stop the constant thoughts or the stirring in your belly. Well, I get it in my belly. It really stirs me up there. Um, if that fails, I'll drink um, you know, a pint of water because sometimes when you're dehydrated, um, your body can cause an anxious feeling in your body because the water is being taken from your organs and bones. So always do try that. I also like to meditate. Don't get me wrong. At first, that was really hard. And sometimes it's still now because you physically can't calm your mind. But if you can, do try and sit somewhere quiet and breathe in deeply through your nose and out through your mouth. By taking a conscious breath, you're actually telling your body relax. Oh yeah, that's another great thing. Tell yourself to relax. Let your jaw relax. So separate your two sets of teeth and the corner of your eyes. It's weird. If you say relax and you intentionally mean to relax the corner of your eyes, it just feels like instant relief and everything slows down. So definitely try that. Try that right now if you can, if you're feeling anxious, that is. <laughs> um, another great breathing technique is to breathe in for four seconds. So you breathe in for four, hold that breath for four, breathe out for four, and then pause for four before you inhale again. They call it box breathing. You could look that up if you if you fancy. Um, and all it does, it takes your focus away from your thoughts and puts it onto your breath. I don't know about you, but I also like to be prepared for anything. So I'll have a plan A, B, C and D. <laughs> and I'll always do a recce if I'm going somewhere new. So like with this new job that I started not so long ago, when I had the address of where I had to go the night before, I drove at the time that I was due to be going to work as if I was going to work and checked how long it took me to get there, where I had to go and made sure that I had that route planned out before 
even attempting to do it for real the next day. <laughs> Best to be prepared. Another way to calm down is to look around. What can you see? Think about all five senses. What can you see? What can you hear? What can you touch? What can you smell? Or what can you taste? Or even by asking yourself, am I safe? Are my family and friends safe? Or maybe if you're feeling brave enough, what is the worst thing that can happen right now? And by asking yourself this, you create space in your thoughts and turn them in a different direction. And finally, this is one of the biggest things for me. And that is when you've made plans to do something and when the time comes, you don't feel up to it because you're feeling anxious or worried or, you know, you're not strong enough that day. That's okay. But instead of ignoring the phone or making up lies as to why you can't make the arrangement, <laughs> be honest. If they are your friends and they really care about you, they will understand. This was a downfall of mine. I just wouldn't turn up and my friends gave up on me in the end. Once I managed to gain some strength, I tried this out and the feeling of relief after being honest was incredible. So was the response I got from my friends, asking if I was okay and could they do anything to help. It was a double whammy of goodness. So give that a try. So I know that anxiety can be a terrifying condition and sometimes it gets so out of control, but it can be managed. It takes time and repetition, as with all things regarding mental health, but you can do it. My advice is if you found yourself in this position, go to the doctors. Yes, please do. Explain how you feel and do take the advice and the medication you were prescribed. Then start looking for other things like TED Talks on anxiety, YouTube videos from scientists about anxiety. The more you can understand why this happens or what it is in your life that causes this, the easier it is for you to manage. Anxiety can lead to a multitude of things if left unchecked. I ended up with psychosis from not treating mine in time. Please do not let that happen to you. As with all mental health ailments, it won't get any better unless you put in the work. There is no magic pill or formula, unfortunately. The doctors and the medication can't do it all for you. So I urge you, if you haven't yet, get searching for anything that can help. And please don't Google your symptoms. That will make the anxiety worse. That's all for this week from the It's a Crazy Life podcast. Join me next week where we have our first ever interview with a survivor of anxiety. This lady is one of my good friends and is also a single mother who is self-employed and who's dealing with COVID right now. We will hear how anxiety affected her, what she did to overcome it and how she copes every day. I hope you'll join me for that. Take care, everybody. Stay safe, stay well, and I'll see you all again really soon. You've been listening to the It's A Crazy Life podcast. My name's Sarah and I've been your host. This podcast is dedicated to raising awareness for mental health whilst helping to end this stigma.